ever heard the story of Lawrence Ripple? After years of being a law-abiding citizen, at 71 years old, Mr. Ripple walked into a bank in Kansas City, presented the teller with a note that said, I have a gun, give me money. After he received the money, he walked outside the bank and sat on a bench waiting for the police to come and arrest him. His reason was that he said he would rather be in jail than spend one more day in the house with his wife. Have you ever been in a relationship that made you feel that way? Maybe after a year of the pandemic, when you've been with your spouse more than any time before, you feel that way right now. Well, in this video, we're going to be exploring what Jesus says it takes to build a marriage that is meaningful and full of love. Because here at Community Christian Anywhere, we believe that even though life and marriage can be complicating, confusing, and draining at times, Jesus offers a life full of joy and rest but it's a life that's only possible when we learn from him how to follow his central command to love everyone always. And no matter who you are or what you believe about God right now, I believe this life is possible for you because no matter what you think about God, he can't stop thinking about you. He's for you and he only has good things in store for your life. And we want to help you find all that God has in store for you. Hi, my name is Kelly and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. I'm going to say something now that will shock some of you. Well, maybe not. I have never seen an episode of the very popular TV series, The Bachelor. But even though I haven't seen it, I've seen clips of it and I get the premise. The idea is that there's this guy that has a whole bunch of women who want him to choose them. And after several weeks of encounters, he picks ones and he gives her a rose. She's his choice. And we all hope they live happily ever after. Now. We all know it's a series, and I didn't look into whether or not the couples stay together or if we all just accept it's just romantic fluff. But, but here's what I'm pretty sure about. Many of us, maybe most of us, believe that the most important thing you can do in a marriage is to pick the right person. I, I can't tell you how many times years ago I had people tell me, picking a mate is the most important choice you will make in your life. So. I know that idea abounds, but, but I want to give you another framework that we're going to examine throughout this whole series of videos. The idea is that marriage is not a choice you make once and then promise to keep that choice. Marriage is a series of choices that you will make. We propose for this series that marriage is a lifetime of decisions of saying yes to one thing and no to something else. And throughout this video series, we're going to look at some of the most important choices we must make to have a marriage that we want to have. And I'll start with one of the biggest ones and maybe the most important one. You have to choose die over my. And we find this principle in a verse that followers of Jesus apply to all of our life, but many of us fail to apply it to marriage. Here's what Jesus had to say. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And you may be thinking, okay, what does that have to do with marriage? 
but you have to understand. For followers of Jesus, everything starts from the perspective that Jesus is right. About what? Everything. So everything we're gonna talk about in this series comes to you from a Christian worldview. There's, of course, a massive amount of material that comes from a non-Christian view, and much of it supports what the Bible says. But from a non-Christian perspective, marital conflict breaks down to what I want versus what you want. But as followers of Jesus, our first question is, what's God want? And so here's the big thing that I want Christians to get about marriage from what Jesus said about losing our lives. At the center of Christian marriage, is the good news of Jesus. The lens through which we see everything, including our marriage, is that we live in a good world that God created that's been negatively impacted by our sin and our rebellion against God. To be clear, that means I was made in goodness by God, but I've been affected by my rebellion against Him and the sin in this world. And it means that's so of every person I relate to. But the Christian good news view of the world is that it's centered around the death and resurrection of Jesus as the hope and healing for all the brokenness in our world. And it shows us the way that God brings that healing into the world. It's the cross of Jesus. Jesus' sacrificial love is our pattern for responding to brokenness. Brokenness in me, brokenness in you, brokenness in the world. The way we respond to every situation as followers of Jesus is the pattern of the sacrificial love of Jesus. So the best thing we can do for our marriage is to live out the good news of Jesus through self-sacrificial love. And so we're going to begin this discussion where every Christian discussion must start. We start with Jesus. Now, you may not have known this, but Jesus was a single man. <laughs> he never was married, but still, he has a lot to say about marriage. Jesus had a very high view of marriage. If you read his teaching, you'll find that many of his parables are about getting married. He referred to himself as the groom. He said that his kingdom would be inaugurated with a marriage feast. In fact, Jesus' first miracle was bailing out a friend who had run out of wine at his wedding. So Jesus loved marriage even though he wasn't married. A good friend of Jesus named Matthew wrote about Jesus' life. Uh, he recorded this teaching of Jesus. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In the, the last days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Now, this is how it'll be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now, you might be thinking, that does mention marriage, but what am I supposed to take from that? Well, here's what I want you to see. Jesus is making two points. First, he's saying that this idea that some people tell you that they can see the signs of the time and Jesus is about to come back, don't believe it. Jesus is saying that when he does return, everything will be proceeding just as usual. No one will have seen the signs and have a welcoming party ready for him to come. People are having wedding showers and planning weddings right up to the end. That's one point. But here's the other thing I want you to see. He also says that marriage, it's not gonna go away. It's not some outdated old fashioned way of life that has no place in our modern world. According to Jesus, marriage is gonna last until he returns. 
In 2019, New York Magazine published an article by Heather Haverleski titled, Is Marriage Obsolete? Let me read a quote to you. She said, Isn't it reasonable to question the value of a legal contract, written in ink, on paper, that involves disastrously punitive terms of disillusion? What kind of old-fashioned mutant could crave such a primitive trap, particularly when it's paired with an enormously expensive ceremony that often includes allusions to obedience and lifelong mutual suffering and death of all things? These days, there are limited economic advantages to marriage, a planet's worth of mates more easily perused and accessed now than ever before in human history, and a host of inconveniences to being married along with untold drudgery, monotony, frustration, and regret. Add to that 40 to 50% of all marriages in the United States end in divorce anyway. Considering all of that, what could possibly be the point of this outdated charade? Now, I bet you've heard someone say something like that. In fact, our world is full of all different kinds of romantic relationships and situations and entanglements. And there are many people who are questioning What's the point of actually getting married? It seems like such an outdated or even useless concept. And yet Jesus said marriage would last right up to the end. Why? Well, first, because it's God's idea. And so followers of Jesus believe it's a good one. Second, because no one has found a better solution for healthy intimacy or a secure, stable environment in which children can grow. And I know that statement feels a little narrow-minded, but don't take it from me or Jesus. Here's how Ms. Haverleski answers her own question about the point of this outdated charade of marriage. So why do I love this torturous state of affairs so much? The daily companionship, the shared household costs, the tax breaks are not enough. It's because some of the peak moments of marriage are when you share your anxieties, your fears, your longing, even your horrors. That's why sickness and death are key to marriage vows because there is nothing more divine than being able to say out loud, today, I am really, truly at my worst, knowing that it won't make your spouse run for the hills. My husband has seen me at my worst before. We both know that our worst is likely to get worse from here. Somehow, that feels like grace. I think that's why Jesus knew marriage would last, because you and I were created to desire a relationship where somebody is going to move toward me in love. More than that, where someone is committed to me, no matter how tough it gets. This is grace, and that's an idea that never gets old. All the studies that have been done that compare married couples and their level of happiness to couples that cohabitate consistently show on every conceivable metric that married couples are doing better. They're happier as a whole, they're raising healthier children, they're doing much better financially, and this might surprise you, they're having more sex and they report more sexual fulfillment. Now, I know you don't see that portrayed in the movies and TV, but when you get off script and you look at the research, it says that marriage is good. It was created by God, and it's good, and it's going to last until the end. Now, I know I'm talking to a lot of people who are living together and have chosen very close relationships that they love, and they're living with someone, and it feels so out of step for me to say that marriage is better. So uh, give me some grace here, and at least hear me when I say, 
I don't, I don't want anything from you. I just want the best for you. And the evidence is clear. Cohabitation is not the same thing as marriage. It doesn't create oneness like God's gift of marriage because it's an arrangement based on mutual distrust. It's an agreement that says, we know this probably won't last, so let's make it as, as easy as we can for either one of us to get out when that person wants to get out. And so when you move in together and you get in bed together, what our actions convey is, I like you, but I don't love you enough to close off every other option. I want some of you, but not all of you. And people think that if I break that kind of reunion, it'll just be easier. But that's not the way God made us. And when we sort of commit, but not fully, or one of you is more committed than the other one, and then it ends, souls get wounded. And your ability to trust, it goes further down. So you try again, and sort of a semi, maybe we're completely with each other. Well, at least sexually we are, but not fully committed. And the whole time, you protect yourself. You want more than you have. And you develop a trust callus. And some of you are listening to me right now, and you know I'm speaking the truth because your soul still bears the scars. And you wonder, I, I know they wanted some of me, but what's wrong with the rest of me that they didn't want me? And I also know right now I'm talking to people who've been through the pain of marriage that didn't last into the end. And I want you to know, at no point in this series am I gonna to try to beat you up. I mean, you've been through the pain of divorce. You've already had enough pain. But I also have to say what Jesus said, and Jesus made it clear that divorce is a concession to the broken nature of the world and the people involved. There aren't any places I can think of where divorce is commanded. It's not forbidden. Jesus sort of describes it as an amputation, not a separation. Divorce takes something that God intended to be one and it splits it up. And whenever you split a human one, there's gonna be great pain. So every time Jesus is asked about it, instead of directly answering the question, he just instead elevates marriage. They would ask, can divorced people remarry? And Jesus would in effect start with, should married people be getting divorced? So Jesus says, marriage, it's gonna last and marriages should last. And in this series, we're talking about how to make them last. And, and that takes me back to the words of Jesus that we read at the start. This is one of the choices that you have to make in your marriage to make it last. Here's what Jesus says. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Marriage will last, your marriage should last, and here's the big idea from Jesus. A married follower of Jesus will be last. When I was a young guy, I heard this older Christian man say, when your marriage is given to Jesus, there will be small death for you every day because a disciple of Jesus is always choosing the way of the cross and the cross means death to me. As an old man, I could say to you, that's not describing mature Christianity. That's not graduate school Christianity. Jesus says, that's what it takes to follow him. And it's what you sign up for when you say, I'm a Christian. 
After all, we're following a man who put a cross on his back. And we're told that though he was in very nature God, he set aside all of that to take on the form of a servant and to give up his rights for us. So here's my challenge uh, for my marriage. Jesus said we should seek first his kingdom. You know what the major competitor for in seeking Jesus first is? It's another kingdom that I have that's hugely attractive to me. You know the kingdom I mean, right? It's the kingdom of me. Oh, I love the kingdom of me. I've loved it since the first time I cried and said, hey, give me something to eat. Change me, hold me, love me. That's mine, look at me. And the choice that in that kingdom, it's always my overdie. But Jesus says the way of the kingdom for his disciples is to choose die over my. When it comes to my marriage, we live out the kingdom of God, which means I choose die to myself a thousand times. In my marriage, you can see it most clearly in my anger. I didn't see it at first, but you could have seen it. When we got married, I had a way that I washed dishes. And I found out I was wrong. I had a way that I had always driven. And I found out I was wrong. Now, I don't want to make it sound like my wife Becky has a way of pointing things out because most often um, she wasn't. And, and I know for sure there are some things that she's done for her whole life that she found out she'd been doing wrong. But every time I'd bump into something that wasn't my way, I'd lose it. And I worked on my anger. And over time, it didn't just impact my marriage. I mean, my anger was impacting my children. And I can remember after I'd finally worked on not allowing my anger to spill out that I would still internally get mad and it became clear to me, Ed, you don't have an anger problem. You have a kingdom problem. You just want to be first in everything. You don't really believe that Jesus is right on this and that you'll need to die to that or it'll continue to destroy you. I wanted to be first and Jesus was calling me to be last. The best advice I could give to a married or a single person about relationship is simply this. Be like Jesus, choose to go last. You choose to take up your cross, follow Jesus, and put the other person first. You know, at Community Christian, we wanna help people take their next step in following Jesus. Wherever you are with Jesus, we wanna help each other to take our next steps. And if you were to ask me what has been the most significant catalyst for me taking my next step toward Jesus, it's been my marriage. God's used my marriage to make me a better follower of Jesus. I didn't know that's what was going to happen 41 years ago. You know something else I see now? God wants you to use my marriage to help others become followers of Jesus. And he wants to do the same thing through every Christian marriage. Because everybody married or single wants to believe there's a love out there. A love that would move toward them no matter how tough it gets or no matter how far they wandered away. And the Bible says that God's chosen Christian marriage as his billboard to say to the world, hey, there is a love like that. You see, your marriage needs the good news of Jesus in it. But there's another big truth for followers of Jesus. 
The good news of Jesus needs your marriage as a visible demonstration of God's love to his people. So for us, I want this to get in your head about your marriage. Your marriage has a bigger goal than just mutual happiness. We are to show God's love to the world through our love for each other. I hope this video was helpful for you and that you want to discover more of what God has to offer for your life and your marriage. Attached to this video, you'll see a playlist of more content exploring what it means to live the meaningful life of love Jesus offers. Please make sure to watch one of the videos, subscribe to our channel, or follow us on Facebook so you can keep in touch with all of the great content we put out weekly. But we really hope that your interaction with us moves from just being content you consume to being a community you can be committed to. Because the kind of love Jesus designed for us to experience and share with others can only exist in relationship. So please reach out to us through texting the number on the screen and we can help you step into relationship with others who are also engaging with our content weekly. Or visit our website, cccanywhere.com, and you'll see a lot of ways to get connected to our community here, including the card that says, join our Facebook group. Well, you'll be redirected to a Facebook community where if you click the join group button, you'll be able to connect with other people from around the country who are learning from Jesus what it means to love everyone always. But no matter what step you take today, I hope you leave knowing that no matter what you think about God, He can't stop thinking about you.